sermon here. Well, we have been uh, engaged in a series on prayer, looking at examples of prayer. Um, as I've said almost every week, God does not want prayer to be something that's difficult for you and for me. He wants to engage with us. He wants to communicate with us. He wants to hear from us our, our sadnesses, our, our hurt, our joys, our celebrations, our anger. He says, bring it to me. I, I, I love you and I care for you. I want you to talk to me. But so often we, we make prayer a difficult thing, or we feel like it is. And so there's, there's ways to help. There's ways to help. I've, I've shared this with you. I want to remind you. One of those things is just to practice, to practice alone, out loud, in our heads, whatever it is. The more you pray, it's like a muscle. It's going to get stronger. Practice in groups. Get comfortable with the idea of praying with others and listening to others' prayers. Yeah, I mean, you're never, you never get better at something and stay comfortable at the same time. It's on the other side of discomfort that you improve and you grow and you stretch yourself in all areas of life, certainly spiritually. The other thing is, and it's something that we can do here in the service, is engage in Scripture. There are so many prayers. I'm going to actually look at two of them with you today. Look at prayers, read prayers, pray them for yourself. There's a passage today, I invite you to pray for yourself. And so we look at examples, and today's example is found in Psalm 141. Psalm 141, it's on page 445 if you'd like to turn there. But Psalm 141. We've looked at several, several of David's prayers. Um, and most of them, and, and truly most of our prayers, are normally in response to something. We talk to God because something has happened. Either something bad has happened and we're seeking His help. You know, Lord, there, there's a circumstance, I need your help. And we've studied prayers that David prayed like that. Sometimes, sometimes something great has happened and we just want to go and give Him thanks. We've looked at prayers like that, prayer of thanksgiving. We said, Lord... I, I just want to thank you for what you've done. But it's, it's a prayer of response. Uh, other times, there's a prayer of confession. And, and I titled that sermon, A Prayer for Pardon, Seeking God's Forgiveness. Um, but that's in response as well. We know that we've done something wrong, something sinful, something that has interrupted our relationship with our Savior. And so we go to Him and we want to make it right. Lord, forgive me. Allow me to just re-engage with you. But those are all things that are in response. This prayer is different. This prayer is different. This is like a, in David's prayer today, he's, he's, it's almost a prayer to be proactive. Or maybe a prayer to prevent something. Um, for a year, I worked in an aluminum extrusion factory in Michigan. And I worked in a preventive maintenance department. Now, I don't know how many factories have preventive maintenance departments. I worked at other factories where I thought that might be a good idea. We, I would run a machine and it just, something was always broke. They had like fire response type maintenance. You know, like if you're not producing parts, then we work on it. That was their kind of mindset. But this one factory um, was very good. A whole, it was a department. There was three of us that worked in it, supervisor, two employees, and... 
Our entire job was to prevent breakage, to prevent um, production from slowing, to prevent injury. We, and we did that by following every machine's preventive maintenance schedule. I mean, we just, there was a huge list of things that we would do to keep machines lubricated properly, uh, filters cleaned, everything that machine needed to do, that's what we were in charge of. Keeping the factory running to prevent stoppage, to prevent breakage, that's what we would do. Well, this prayer is similar to that in the idea that David's praying it, saying, Lord, I want you to sanctify me. He's using that word. He said, you need to set, I want you to set me apart unto something great, something meaningful, something that will keep me far, keep me far from sin, keep me far from um, becoming something that is going to damage my relationship with you. Well, I don't know, I, I, I know for me, and I'm 99% sure for you, there have been times in your life where after the fact you wish you could have done something to prevent what had taken place. You know, you, I, simple things like a, a car accident, you're like, oh, I, I wish I you know, had driven slower, or I wish this or that. Uh, relational things, I wish I knew this about that individual before this happened. I mean, there's all kinds of things where we think, man, if I had only known, then I could have done this. Well, many times that's impossible. Many times it's possible, you know, you've had people come to you and say, hey, you may want to just, you know, not do, and we don't listen because we think, well, I don't want to hear that, so, and we don't listen. So sometimes it's preventable. We just have to listen to the right people. But many times it's not. But when it comes to our own personal spiritual growth, our own spiritual walk, there is preventive maintenance. There is a prayer to prevent something. And we're going to look at it now in Psalm 141. Again, page 445 in the Pew Bible, if you wish to use that. Welcome to use any scripture you have with you. I begin reading. I want to read verses 1 and 2 to start this beautiful psalm. O Lord, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. A couple of really cool things I thought as we studied this is, is one of the things we've talked about in terms of prayer is understanding that God has a timetable, that God has a perspective that goes beyond your perspective and my perspective. And very often, I'm very frustrated at what I view as a lack of God's response or a lack of God's movement. Well, I like this psalm because it reminds us that it's okay to ask God to move quickly. It's okay to say, Lord, I would, you know, I'm asking for this, and I'd really like it by this time. And again, there's, there's, everything is about heart when it comes to prayer. In verse 2, we see David's heart. David's will, he, there's no problem with him coming before God and saying, God, I want you to answer this quickly. I'm, I, I've got a little timetable here, God. I'm presenting it to you. But I want you to, at the same time, to understand his heart. His heart is not being demanding. His heart is not being disrespectful or unfearful of the Lord. Verse 2 reveals, I believe, his heart. He says, may my prayer be set before you like incense. The image that David's portraying is incense was a type of offering. 
and it was constantly burning in the temple, and it would be presented, and it would be burnt as kind of a, a what they would call a fragrant offering. It was, you could smell it burning, but it was, to, it, it was both to remind, but also something that God said, here's a way for you to worship me. So David's saying, as I come before you, Lord, may my prayer be like incense. May it be a, a fragrant, a sweet, a, a good smell to you, because I am trying to be worshipful. I want to worship you now in my prayer, the second part of verse 2. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. David's heart is found in verse 2. See, he's coming to the Lord with requests. He even has a little timetable at the very beginning, but his heart is one of worship. What, uh, prayer has so much more to do with your heart and my heart than it does our words. Maybe more importantly, prayer has so much more to do with your heart than your performance in prayer. Location, position, hands up, uh, in bed. It, God cares about your heart. And David's coming to the Lord saying, Lord, here's my heart. I want my prayer to be worshiping of you. I want to worship you as I pray this prayer. I think just a beautiful thing. Verse 3, David begins his petitions or his requests in terms of being set apart. Verse 3, it says this. It says, set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. See, this is not, he's not responding to something. He's saying, moving forward, Lord, will you put a guard over my mouth? Will you set a watchman at my lips? He really starts from outside of himself, and he realizes, as you and I, when we're honest with ourselves, realize that our mouth can get us into trouble a lot. I, I might broaden it a little bit in today's society and say our communication, because more and more our culture moves away from face-to-face -face verbal con conversation to text and, and, and email is almost a thing of the past, but, you know, things that we would type out that everyone can read. He's saying, may, may you set a guard over the things I communicate? Will you put a watchman, not just, you know, the words coming out of my mouth, but what I'm going to type out on my phone or on my computer for everyone to see? Will you guard that? Will you filter that? Will you set apart my communication and make it different. See, David realized that he could easily communicate, just like I did with the kid. And I, you know, Legos all over the floor. They're all kind of different, but you know what? They all get swept up by the broom, if you know what I'm saying, okay? They all go into the dustpan or something and get put, put back. They all get picked up the same. They all go back into the same. There's nothing special about this. You and I read and hear communication all the time that there's nothing special about it. There's nothing set apart about it. God wants something better of us. Uh, so many passages, you don't have to turn there, but I want to share with you Ephesians chapter 4. So many passages throughout Scripture, old and new, speak to our communication. I just grabbed Ephesians because we're hopefully going to get back to that in a little while. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 speaks very clearly in terms of what is the believer's communication to look like. 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. What do you mean? You mean like, and everyone tries to nail this down. What do you mean? Cursing? Like certain words? Are you talking about gossip? Or are you, are you just talking about like crude speech? Or, you know, just something you wouldn't say in front of kids? Like what are you talking about? Guess what? Paul's talking about anything unwholesome. Anything that's not beneficial, don't let it come out of your mouth. If it's not helping someone, don't say it. If it's not helping someone, don't post it. I mean, that's, that's the filter he's saying. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's the filter. That's one of the clearest. But there's so many more. And this is not a sermon on speech. This is a sermon on prayer. David says, Lord, I'm starting from outside of me, and I'm asking you to set apart my communication. Make it different. Make it special. Make it what you want. And then he moves on to verse 4. And he moves kind of from outside of himself to the source. I mean, we, we're, what comes out of our mouth, what we post online... It comes from our heart. It does. We, we see that in Scripture. We really know that to be true. In, in verse 4, so his request goes from his, his mouth to his heart. He says, Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil to take part in wicked deeds. Um, I want to start by saying this. God never, because some of your translations may read something similar to Lord, do not incline my heart to evil. God never does something to lead us to sin. Never. It goes against his, character is the wrong word, who he is. It goes against who he is. It goes against what he's communicated about himself in Scripture. That doesn't happen. So what is David doing? Why would David ask the Lord for something that, that he has to do. Like, there's no other option for God. Well, this is another indication, it's another circumstance where David's praying God's will. You know, so often we pray for things and, and we think specifically, but you know what? When we pray for something like what David's praying for right now, God's going to answer it. Here's what we know it is God's will for you to not incline yourself to evil. It's a guarantee. So David's saying, Lord, I'm just letting you know, my heart, I'm tracking with your heart. Don't incline my heart to evil. David's already, David's already received the answer. He already knows the Lord's not going to do that. But he's saying, I want to stay far away. I want to stay far away. I don't want to get into wicked deeds. This, this incline, right? It's like lean. He's saying, here I am. Let's say off the stage is, is the wicked deed. Whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is. He's saying, off the stage, that's, that's the wicked deed. He's like, I'm over here. I don't even want to lean towards that. I don't even want my heart to lean towards that. David was fully aware. David was far from perfect. We've talked of, of some of his failures, especially with Bathsheba, before one of the Psalms that we studied in his prayer of repentance. He's saying, I don't want to even get close to that because I know what will happen when I get close. In fact, and here's our culture today. See, culture today says, get right up to the edge, but don't step off that edge. 
watch shows about it, talk to people about it, but don't do it. That's our culture today. David was smarter than that. He says, I want to be back here, and I don't even want to lean towards that. He says, Lord, help me not to even incline my heart. Help me stay as far away from that as possible. And he knew, he knew there's just this progression. He goes from his mouth to the source of that, his heart. And he knows how his heart is prone to move towards wickedness because he talks about setting apart his communication. He talks about setting apart his heart. Now he's going to talk about setting apart his company. Look at verse 4. It says, Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil to take part in wicked deeds. And then he hinges right into what he knows is his weakness, and I believe our weakness. He says, With men who are evildoers, let me not eat of their delicacies. David knew about himself what I know about myself, and I believe you know about yourself, is that when you're with the wrong people, you tend to do the wrong things. And I, you know I'm not talking about isolation. Paul said, I want you to be in the world. I don't want you to be of the world. Everything has to do with influence when it comes to who we hang out with, how much time we spend with them, um, the type of relationship we have with them. Everything comes down to influence. If we have a relationship with this individual and they are bettering, they're moving in their walk of faith because of that relationship. Praise the Lord. But if you find yourself moving away from the Lord to make that happen, you need to come back. You need to come back. That's not God's will for you. David said, I know about myself that when I put myself with evildoers, I end up doing evil things. So keep me apart from them, at least in my heart. Help me to influence them instead of them influencing me. Set apart my company. And not only does he talk about, okay, here's the people I should not hang out with. Um, he also talks about, in verse 5, the type of people he wants around him. But he's still talking about himself. He's not saying, Lord, send me these people. He knows God's going to do that. He says, Lord, this is what I want to do when this happens. Verse 5, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. What? What is David saying here? Let's read more. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. Let a righteous man strike me. Like, Pastor, how literal are you going to take that? You know, like how He's saying righteous people, people who are right with the Lord, may they come and may they speak truth to me and help me better myself. Even the things I don't like hearing, the uncomfortable things, so that I can better my relationship with you. Lord, when the righteous approach me, because I know as I pursue you, you're going to put godly people in my life. As they approach me and they rebuke me, let me be happy to receive it. May it be like oil upon my head, you know, just and anointing, again, this speaks to being set apart. Set apart my company. Allow me to receive from the righteous. Allow me to influence the unrighteous and not let them influence me. Set apart my company. Set apart those 
that I'm spending time with. Allow me to receive correction from the righteous because it's going to better me. I am myself going to be better in the long run if I receive this instruction. What a powerful prayer. He starts from really outside of himself. He says, will you guard this? Will you guard my communication? Lord, will you then set apart also my heart so that only good things are coming out anyways? And to influence my heart, will you allow me to set apart my company? That I would receive instruction from the righteous and that I would not allow the unrighteous to influence me. Will you do this? This is the prayer. And, and I believe verses 1 through 5 is a prayer that you can pray. See, sometimes we're just, we, we just have to be honest with ourselves. Listen, if you're a prayer rookie, that, be a prayer rookie. It's okay. Um, I was reading, no, not reading. We were watching a video in our, our men's group one time, and, and this pastor was testifying. Beautiful testimony. Moved me, challenged me. And he said, I was a pastor and I was doing all of this, but I, I just, I didn't pray with my wife. He's like, I don't know why. He's like, so to start with, I just, I'd reach over and I'd touch her hand and I'd say, Lord, thank you for today. Amen. You know, that's pastor, that's pastor's testimony. And he said, after seven years, I thought by now it'd be kind of natural He's like, I still fight it every night. I think I'm tired, she's tired. This was his testimony. I thought, how meaningful. He said, he said, if I was going to pray, I felt like I had to be a prayer captain, you know, like a giant of prayer. If I'm going to pray, i got to be really good. But once I realized it was okay to be a rookie, I started, and I'm heading towards that. One of the things you can do in prayer, if you're like, I don't know, I don't even know what to say. I don't, I don't even know what to say. Sit down with your Bible and just say, God, I'm going to pray this. And, oh Lord, I call to you. Come quickly to me. Hear my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let, them not, let me not eat of their delicacies. Let a righteous man strike me. It is kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. Amen. That's okay. That's okay. If you're a prayer rookie here, be a prayer rookie. But practice. Get active. Do more this week than you did last week. For all of us, all of us are on a path of, of sanctification. God has called every believer, everyone who said, yes, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. He calls all of us to be set apart. We're not supposed to look like every other Lego or every other thing that just lays on the ground getting stepped on and swept up. He wants us to be set apart, special, different in our mouth, in our heart, in our company. He wants us to be set apart. And I think I know the initial pushback, and, and I want to just speak to it from here before we go to one more passage real quick. 
the pushback is, well, I'm going to do that as soon as everything calms down. I think of growth in terms of, I need to, you know, once everything is taken care of, down, once all the problems are taken care of, then I'm going to improve myself. Then I'm going to draw closer to the Lord. Then I'm going to work at this. That's the way I think. I don't know, I can't say if it's the way you think, but I do want you to understand something in this psalm. The rest of the psalm shows us that David is in the midst of a trial. And it seems like every psalm we've looked at, every prayer, he's in the middle of something. But he's saying, Lord, will you set me apart in the midst of this turmoil? And I'm not going to explain the whole passage, but as you read it, I mean, just verse 10, let the wicked fall into their own nets. Verse 9, keep me from the snares they have laid for me, from the traps set by evildoers. David's in a, it's not a simple, everything's taken care of, everything's cool, now I'm going to set myself apart. No, there's a mess. He's in the middle of a mess, but his request of the Lord is, Lord, will you help me become more like you? Will you help me be set apart? Why do this? Why even pray this to begin with? One, and you've heard me say it, is that God wants better for you and for me than we want for ourselves. That's the truth of it. You know that's true. You've made choices before. You're like, why did I do that? I thought I, I, thought I wanted it as, uh, as a mess. Now it's a mess. And the whole time God's going, I don't think that's a good idea. God always wants the best for you and for me. And so when we pursue him, when we say, Lord, set me apart unto you, we're setting ourselves up for his best. I think the other answer is not found in this passage. I want, I want to invite you to turn to John chapter 17 in closing, page 766 in the Pew Bible. John chapter 17, page 766. I want you to see something really cool. This is a, this is a really, really cool prayer. Some people call this... Uh, the high priestly prayer. It's Christ's prayer for his followers right before he gets on the cross. Right before that. Here's what he's praying for his followers. It's a long prayer. I'm just picking out a piece of it. John chapter 17. I'm going to read verse 14 through 21. You can just listen. You can follow along. But it, it is so similar to what David prayed to, to God thousands of years before. Listen to this. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them... I sanctify myself. And here is the answer to the question, why should we pray to be set apart? Why should we pray to be sanctified? Jesus says this, that they too may be truly sanctified. He says, I want them to be sanctified. Just a minute. I got to get down to verse 21. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also believe in us, and here's the reason, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
Why pray for sanctification? So the world may believe that God sent his son. That's why we should pray for that. That's why Christ prayed it for his apostles and his followers and for everyone that would follow those apostles. Christ prayed that for you, that you would be set apart so that the people that you care the most about and the people that you don't even know and the people that you work with would know that Jesus loves them and gave up his life to die for them. What can you do with this? You can pray this. You can pray this. You can pray these verses. You can pray it in your way. Pray to be set apart. Become proactive in your prayer. Russ is going to come. He's going to close us with a, a word of prayer. Or not Russ, I'm sorry, Wade. Yeah, I was. You should have seen him. He was panicked. What? Sorry, Russ. Oh, Wade, will you come, please? Close us in a word of prayer. Dismiss us with.